Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Bodlow Racing Team. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from 4 Pepsi Max Crew, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is, look, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bulk, so um, <laughs> been, been here before. I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but, but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it, but right now we have nothing. Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it mm. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars hello and welcome to the show joining me this week from speed cafe the 2014 journalist of the year along with half a dozen other awards it's stefan Mayus. good evening stefan thanks craig how are you very well, and in fact, it's great to have back on the show, although from motorsport.com now, not previous Motorsport e-news, I think it was in the good old days when Andrew Van Leeuwen used to join us on the show. Good evening, Andrew. Hi, how are you going? Very well indeed, of course. You enjoyed the uh, warm weather, and I believe that some people who are based in in uh, Queensland, Andrew, are, are going to be suffering through a, a single-digit morning tomorrow morning you must feel terrible for him yeah that'll be horrible because it's uh it's six degrees here right now in melbourne and um i don't feel sorry for anybody who lives in queensland at all right now to be honest so our thoughts will be with you tomorrow morning Stefan, when you have to what was it going to be a minimum of two i think uh overnight yeah the definition of cold snap obviously varies quite a quite away from one part of the country to the next Indeed. Townsville certainly didn't look like it was a cold snap, but Frosty was not taken off the top step of the podium. He's consolidated his lead. Andrew, do you believe that uh, PDA, ProDrive Australia, is in the right frame of mind that they can execute this performance right through to the end of the season? Uh, It certainly looks so at the moment. It's difficult to argue against it. Right now, there may be some cases in history that you could go back to and say, well, you know, they've been in positions like this or close to this before. But there certainly just seems to be a certain harmony around that team at the moment. I think you could see that with, you know, how conscious David Reynolds was of not cutting Frosty off at the end of uh, Saturday's race and that sort of stuff. Everything just seems to be working well and in the right direction and there's still a long way to go i mean we're we're halfway more than halfway through the calendar year but we're still quite early in the v8 supercar season but geez things are looking really good for him at the moment Mm, and david reynolds uh, stefan does really owe uh, frosty one card off when you're um, going for the lead after darwin last year so it was probably quite restrained for a man who's looking for a contract extension yeah, teammate square-ups don't normally work too well uh, at any time, but when you're out of contract, it's probably not recommended. Mm-hmm. But I think <laughs> on the question at hand, um, it's one of those things where when you've got car speed, um, the ball just bounces for you in every every area. Like you, lo- you look so much smarter on strategy m- more often, and you make less mistakes when your three cars qualify in the top three places. So uh, certainly um, they look pretty unstoppable at the moment, and we've seen them on a lot of different types of tracks now be very quick so uh, they're going to take a lot of beating. We're starting to hear those noises again in the paddock about uh, the magic P word Andrew, parody. Um, yeah I guess so but I mean at the end of the day I don't know that this is necessarily a parody issue I don't know that we've necessarily seen enough 
of a problem to start going down that path just yet. I think it's just one team doing a really good job. Obviously, that FGX is very, very fast. I don't think there's any question over that. But, I mean, we've had... We had such a long period where where Triple Eight were always doing the best job, and right now they're not. And I, I I I don't know, Stefan. What do you think? To me, it's just it's more that they're just getting it right. And like you said, they have they have good car speed. I don't think it's through any sort of unfair advantage. They've just got well engineered cars that are working well. Well, unfortunately, this is this is the thing where whenever a team or manufacturer is going well. The others are just going to point it back to, to Aero because the, the homologation process is uh, perhaps not quite as high end as it is in some some categories around the world. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go at Sydney Motorsport Park in particular because in in reality, Aero is such a small part of the performance in these cars. Um, it, it makes such a such a little difference relative to everything else but uh, the category is so close as we all know that uh, it can be the difference between being right up there and sort of just being somewhere around the top five so there certainly was a lot of talk at Townsville on the weekend particularly yep. from, from a small number of camps that were talking fairly loudly that happened to run Holdens but um, yeah we'll see where it goes it, It's not just like there's aero downforce but then there's aero of air moving through the car for cooling, for other little fine-tuning aspects. And that's the thing that uh, other teams are, are certainly going are looking at and going to be looking at because if you can manage the brakes and, and run all the brake ducting and do all these other little things, which is what the FGX has really spent, uh, uh, the, and the development team spent a fair bit of time working on, that's also a critical part of the aero, which isn't downforce, but it is critical to the performance of the car. And if you can get that cooling right and get the air into the car a lot better, then you are going to have a, a, some big engineering um, advantages when you look at the, 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 the small, fine details, Andrew. Yeah, that's, uh, that's definitely true. But if it's not illegal, I don't really see what the, what the issue is. At the end of the day, I mean, you don't want to stifle all the creativity out of the sport as well. I think parity's incredibly important i don't think many people would argue with that but if they have in fact done a just done a good job of uh, of working out how to how to how to use the, the the shape the new shape of the car to make the car overall a more efficient better product then i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing if another team can come out and prove um that there is actually something illegal they are breaking a rule then okay that's a different that's a different uh different kettle of fish but that hasn't happened quite yet so i mean Good on them. Good on the guys at ProDrive if they've uh, if they've come up with a with, with a way to exploit a loophole is probably the wrong word, but to just make the car work as well as possible. And it is obviously working really, really well. Yeah. No. And I'm not saying anything's illegal. I'm not saying they're doing anything uh, that's not in the spirit of the racing either. I'm just saying they had that opportunity when they went back and did the car to know more about air movement through the car as well as over the top and underneath. Um, I'm certainly not saying there's anything wrong with the uh, with the car at all. But don't forget, you can listen to the show on Stitcher. It's available in cars and on an app for download on your portable mobile device. More on Inside Supercars after the break. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. 
Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we were able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Fabian Coulthard, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Stefan Bath. Tholomaeus and Andrew Van Leeuwen. And I wrote a story, gee, it was fairly early in the year that I titled The Fraction Too Much Friction, and that was about the relationship between uh, Wing Cup and Couchy. And Andrew, it, it hasn't been said too much, but certainly the move Couchy out of the uh, engineer's role as they did, it almost indicates they're blaming one man. Um, that's a pretty pretty big call to say that, that that it indicates that I would think obviously they needed to, to shake something up because what they were doing wasn't working and it's important to sort of distinguish that it wasn't working by triple eight race engineering Red Bull Racing Australia standards you know um, they've still it's not like they've been at the back of the grid all year but obviously you know when we're talking about them going five you know, like Wink Up, what was it, four races without a, a single-digit result or something, that is going to, to to sort of kick a team like that into action and make them make some sort of uh, some sort of change, which is exactly what they did. It got a response. They didn't exactly walk away with the whole weekend, remember? That was what Mark Winterbottom was doing. Um, and there was certainly, I don't know that... I think Wink Up summed it up best when he said, you know, there's some light at the end of the tunnel, but, geez, there's a long way to go. And that certainly seems about where... They are at, I, I think it's very difficult to say whether just having Dado back, you know, leading the number one car made that difference or not, but sometimes just a change is as good as a holiday and that it just takes that small little lift in performance to, um, to switch things up. You see that with football teams all the time, you know, a new coach comes in and often teams win straight away because it's just something about making a change, making a positive step that that can, even if it's just psychologically, give a team a small boost. Mm. And, Stefan, all last year, you weren't hearing the sort of glowing praise for Couchy from Jamie as you've always heard him give to, about Dutto. True, but um, it's, it's amazing to think that that combination did win the championship last year. So for it to go sort of that far south that quickly, they needed to make a a drastic change mid-season is, is quite curious. And, um, you know, they were saying across the weekend, like Dutto was saying that um, clearly coming in for Townsville, it wasn't the intention to, to go half a second a lap faster and win all the races. It was it was really to, to pep Jamie up a bit and rebuild some of the confidence that he'd lost. And um, Roland had been adamant um, when we spoke to him on the Thursday that... Um, Dutto would go back to team manager after um, after Townsville and Ludo would engineer um, Jamie's car from QR. That's the technical director there, Ludo Lacroix, who's not race engineered a car since the start of 07 when he moved off Jamie's car for Dutto to take over. But now, evidently, um, Dutto has been installed as race engineer seemingly permanently. He will continue in that role from Queensland Raceway onwards. So um, it was always a risk of graduating Mark Dutton away from race engineer into team manager. It was a, a great career progression for him, seemingly, but um, it took the greatest race engineer 
arguably, very arguably, in, in the paddock, the most successful race engineer at least, um, off a race car, which uh, evidently they've now reversed. Yeah. And it's tough because you see Jeremy Moore, Andrew, and, and you know yourself even, uh, going overseas or taking other opportunities is something that sometimes you need to do it for yourself, sometimes you need to do it for where your own life goals are. Um, by saying now to Dutto that, well, you're more important to us as a race engineer than as a team manager, that really says we've got to limit your potential in uh, if you're staying with us um maybe yeah i mean at the end of the day um it really depends on the team environment there it could also be something that he has suggested i mean i, I don't know i don't know what the inner workings are uh at triple eight i don't know how this decision was made who ultimately made the decision and what Dado really really thinks about it but at the end of the day if it's uh, if it's working and they're in a bit of strife it, it makes sense they're going to continue doing it i don't know if it necessarily you know is that big a kick in the teeth to dado to say oh now now you know you can't go any further you're going to be a race engineer here for the rest of your life but i think it's more reacting to a current situation um than pigeonholing him as as being somebody who can't uh sort of progress beyond that role that would be my opinion on it mm. and i'm pretty sure that um a lot of his team manager duties will will continue. Um, the race engineering obviously is is obvious is obvious at the at the racetrack itself. But I dare say um, they won't just take away everything that they uh, they gave him, so to speak, over the off season. One of the questions I'm I'm looking forward to asking David Reynolds in the next few days is how big a difference has it? Well, how does he think his path at FPR would have been if Smalley didn't go overseas because he had a great relationship there and that's a, another relationship that was really on a on a you know steep climb and then Reynolds up until the last couple of races has has floundered a bit too Stefan yeah he has he's uh, he's had a couple of engineers there in the last couple of years and obviously James had gone over with him from from Kelly's but I think um He's landed in a pretty good position now with, obviously, uh, Brad Vesushin on that car. Um, he's, he's no deal, and he seems to have fitted in very well into ProDrive. So, uh, yeah, it's about being in the right team at the right time, as we all know, but also having the right people around you and the right sway in the team. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that does play out, the dynamic between those three ProDrive guys, um, because they're going to be spending a lot of time on track together fighting for some trophies, I think, for the rest of the year. Andrew, do you see David Reynolds, if he can continue this, will do enough to keep his job? It's it's going to get very interesting, I think. Um, I I don't know that it's all just down to results, but obviously results, you know, they say a lot as well. So if he does continue, I'm okay, he didn't win on the weekend, but if he continues to um, to be at least not the third fastest at the pro drive, drivers then it, it does put some pressure on management to say you know can we really just tip this bloke out and go with someone else when he's doing you know a very good job obviously there's commercial factors at play uh who's gonna sponsor you know a reynolds car at, at pro drive next year potentially um who's gonna sponsor one one of what's currently a pepsi car next year potentially who knows all these things will play a massive massive part in how their driver lineup shakes up um, next season, uh, I think things are looking a lot better for, for Dave than they were 
you know, before, let's say, well, around winter time, let's put it that way, because um, I think it was becoming very obvious how things were going to go, and now it's not that obvious at all. I don't, I don't have any grave concerns over Reynolds' place in the sport. You know, I think uh, if if he did end up parting ways with uh, with PRA, that there would be something come up for him. But I think it's yeah, it's interesting to see. It will be interesting to see what happens uh, with that relationship um, as the year progresses. Mm. I reckon it'd be a tough job for him to get into a Nissan, though, don't you, Stefan? No, to that. Volvo has had some speed, not reliability, but, uh, oh, gee, it gave them a moral boost at least. Yeah, like, um, but what, what speed give us in terms of morale? Uh, the reliability, unfortunately, taketh away. It, uh, it's been one of the stories of the season, obviously, the... Uh, the capitulation of that team from where they were last year and to have the double the double whammy of no pace and poor reliability like they have had um, before Townsville um, was obviously pretty hard for some of those blokes to take and it's it's hard for us to know why the reliability stuff has been such a drama this year. Um, if they haven't been able to get to the bottom of it, then it's um, pretty hard from the outside, obviously. But, um, yeah, that was, the positive was that uh, the car was fast. Scotty finished fourth on the... Saturday, which was the first top five finish for that team this year, and then polled it polled it on Sunday, um, which is no mean feat these days against those Fords. So, uh, yeah, it's they had another they had an engine failure in practice four on Saturday, and then they had the power steering failure on the Sunday. And steering and engines, even though they have had various problems with the engines, and Gary Rogers was quick to point out that that problem in practice four wasn't the same problem they'd been having earlier in the year. Um, they really need to get all that stuff sorted out because that's the sort of thing you would expect from a from a first year program, not from the second year. Mm. I think Andrew, though, you'd have to agree they had such a unbelievable first year. It was always going to be tough to back it up. No reason why they couldn't, but it was always going to be tough to back it up. Oh, the bar was definitely set high. There's no doubt about that. But at the end of the day, there's no, as you just said, there's absolutely no reason why they they couldn't and shouldn't have gone on and had another. You know, and, and uh, yeah, maybe uh, at least not have these reliability issues because exactly what Stefan just said, that's first-year stuff. That's the stuff that you would expect to have been happening last year and not this year. So that, to me, would be a worrying trend. And you really get the feeling that they are worried about that because that shouldn't be happening. Uh, and the fact that it is and the fact that they nobody seems to just be saying, oh, no, this is the problem, it's sorted out right now. Yeah, that would be concerning, I would think. And I think that would be a lot more concerning than having some pace would have been uplifting, to be honest, because I think they all know that if they can get through the reliability issues, the pace will, will come along as well. Mm. Well, when we talk about, uh, of course, we've got Volvo not committed to 2017. We've got Holden, they've committed to 2017. Coulthard was the most consistent, I think you'd, you'd say, but it was uh, Courtney who found a way to second. But I have to ask, Andrew, where are the rest? The rest of the Holdens? Yeah, the 14 others. Oh, they just sort of dotted through the field, I guess. But, you know, it is it is very, you know, I mean, we go on about this all the time, but it is true, it is very competitive at the moment. And you look at, okay, so you've got Coulthard doing a very good job, driving really well, um... Very quick. Then you have HRT, a pretty much hit and miss, mostly miss until this weekend, suddenly looking really good. Really well, good. I was about to say, they pretty much hit each other. Well, yeah, they did that for a couple of rounds. They had another small girl doing it on uh, on Sunday afternoon, but got away with it. But they had speed, so that's 
that'll give them a bit of a, uh, a boost. And, you know, it's traditionally a circuit that Clayton cars go well at, so that kind of makes sense. But at the end of the day, they can't all be running up the front. I think, um, you know, it was sort of... Holdsworth had some pace. And it's mostly just inconsistency. And I think the techno car's a perfect example of that as well, where they just... Um, they're just a bit hit and miss. There's mistakes, um, and car speed doesn't always equal results. And I think that's pretty much uh, pretty much where they're at at the moment. Mm. Well, we need. Sorry, seven. Uh, yeah, no, I didn't. I didn't interrupt there at all. But <laughs> I can't really really say too much uh, in addition to what Todd Andrew said. Anyway, he pretty much nailed it. But it's the thing with with the Holden side of it that uh, when Red Bull are always winning, um, you sort of it uh, takes the magnifying glass away from some of the cracks in the other Holden teams. So uh, with the Fords dominating, you start to look at everyone. And HRT, as we saw on the weekend, like they, by the end of Sunday, they seem to have as much as anyone else. But uh, they seem to be a day or so behind at a lot of race meetings where it takes so long to dial the cars in. So that's something they've definitely got to sort mm. if they're going to be uh, more serious contenders. Indeed. Then we need to take a break on Inside Supercars. Plenty more when we return. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. This year in Formula 3, I think it's a fantastic environment for me to be doing that. However, I believe for myself, uh, a sustainable career in tin tops such as Fiat Supercars in Australia is where I see myself. Second crack at the Australian title since we've been back and a bit unlucky the first time that we end up with a win there at Speedway City uh, two weeks ago. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars with Andrew Van Llewellyn and Stephen Bartholomeus joining me, Craig Ravel, and Gen 2. Well, the first, the first of the white paper releases was done, and Holden are talking about a V6 turbo. I, I am afraid it could become a one-make series if no one else steps up to the plate, although I do believe uh, Nissan, Stefan, are making some positive noises for 2017. Yeah, um, like naturally uh, people can carry over what they've, what they've got at the moment. So there'll certainly be more manufacturers represented. Um, Nissan will continue. There's, uh, there's very, very little doubt about that. Um, the only doubt's really been on what package they run and I think, um, I think they're fairly settled on continuing with the V8 Ultimate that they've put so much resource into so far. Um, there's there's a fair amount of positivity about about Ford as well. Um, if if Penske can't get them back involved with ideally a V6 turbo Mustang, then uh, pretty much no one can. I know obviously there's been quite a bit of resistance to motorsport um, from Ford Australia and trying to distance themselves away from Falcon-based marketing, um, which obviously the racing program's been for so long. But um, it, it would tick a lot of boxes for them, I think, going forward. So... There's plenty, plenty of uh, time before 2017 for them to sort that side of it out. Mm. Andrew, what was your take on uh, the white paper? Um, well, the first thing I will definitely say, if you can get Bartholomew's right, Van Leeuwen, come on, Craig. <laughs> Van Leeuwen, that's all you've got to well, do. You're getting the hard one right, the easy one wrong. <laughs> anyway, that's what am I saying wrong? <laughs> Just... I mean, 
Llewellyn, not Llewellyn, Lewin. I yep. apologise. Oh, not a problem, not a problem. But I thought, come on, if you can say Bartholomew, the hardest surname I've ever heard. Um, anyway, and I was in Germany for three years. So anyway, um, yeah, Gen Two. I'd like, uh, what I will say is, I'm I'm a supporter of Gen Two. I think it's a really good idea to open up. Uh, the category to different body shapes and, and different engine types, and I think you know your concerns, Craig, that it's going to become a one-make series. I think would be, I think the, the category had a, a much bigger chance of doing that if it went if they didn't introduce this, because I think that looking ahead, there wasn't going to be a lot of manufacturer involvement in the sport at all, and I think this is going to give them a chance of not only maintaining but growing manufacturer involvement in the future. So I think it's I think it is a good thing. Um, I'll definitely agree with what Stefan said about about Nissan. You know, I don't know that there ever there was some sort of sexy headlines about GDRs and that sort of stuff. But you really got the feeling talking with people from Nissan. There's never been any real doubt in their minds that they were going to stick with the with the V8 package. Just again, like Stefan said, through the, uh, through investment that's already gone into it. I think the same goes for um, for Erebus. You know, they've poured a lot of time and money into developing their engine package and they're going to keep going with that. So it's not going to be huge changes straight away. It's going to be a gradual thing, but it is going to open up the, uh, the category to more manufacturers. So I have to say, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good thing. Uh, I don't think there was any great surprises in the, white, in, the, in, sorry, in the draft regulations that were released over the Townsville weekend. And I, I, I do honestly believe that it's a good direction for the sport to be heading. Oh, a couple of things that caught my eye. Minimum production uh, volumes. You reckon that's going to be the most irrelevant uh, part of the Gen 2 draft specs, Andrew? I can't see it playing a big part, to be honest. I think anybody who's got the money to go... Yeah, supercar racing is probably making more than 5,000 cars. Mm. And, of course, uh, Stefan, who's going to decide if it's a backseat or if it's a low drag? Once again, I think the manufacturer's got enough money and they're not involved in the series already. That lug- luggage rack is going to be the most luxurious back seats on the market. Yeah, it is a little grey, but from what I understand, they've they've elected not to have a hard and fast sort of cubic capacity arrangement for determining what's a four-seater. It's more based around um, the safety standards of, of a four-seater with the production cars, seat belts and, and all of the various restraints and all of that sort of thing is going to... Uh, is going to be the line on that. So um, I think, to be honest, what dictates the, the body shape is not so much how much legroom there would be for someone hypothetically in the back. It's, it's actually the, the the roof fitting over the uh, over the control chassis, which of course carries on from now. So yeah, from what I understand it, if, if you wanted to run anything too too extreme, um, you'd probably have roll cage sticking out the roof, which doesn't do much good for aero. So I think that'll police itself. Yeah, it is an interesting one, and I can understand you need to put some rules in there that uh, we can all have a laugh at. Andrew, um, yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with what Stefan just said. I don't think that I don't think that the back seat thing is going to be an issue at all because it's just going to be fitting on that fitting a car to that uh, to that chassis. And let's face it, you couldn't fit a Ford, Holden, or Altima to the current chassis if you just took it from the factory and unbolted the panels. No, that's true, but it's also about how big a change you have to make to the existing body shape as well. I mean, it still has to... The Ultima still looks like an Ultima, and that's the one thing the V8 have been very clear on uh, from the start is that, you know, they don't want their cars to look like DTM cars, which, you know, have all these 
aero bits hanging off them. They want it to look like cars. So that's really what it's going to come down to. So if you try and turn a Mazda MX-5 into a uh, into a V8 supercar, it's going to be pretty obvious that it just doesn't work. Mm. Um, if you, you know, yeah. But there's plenty of cars that will work, um, and that that will just it'll just work out. Like Stefan said, it'll police itself. It's not going to be an issue. Yep. Now, Stefan, uh, I mentioned on last week's show last year you. Uh really rocked the boat by at uh, Darwin announcing that there was going to be a a clash of dates for the Bathurst 12-hour Vert Supercar test day. This year, you've done it again with Peace Talks. Uh, Peace Talks certainly was a headline I saw somewhere uh, used on websites that are described as a media partner for V8 supercars, but it's not quite... I think it's the sort of peace talks that uh, the Germans had with Poland at some point uh, as they came in. Um, yeah, like I would... You mentioned uh, the story last year. I was going to say that it's the gift that keeps on giving the Bathurst 12-hour V8 supercar stuff, but to be fair, it doesn't really feel like a gift at this point. A lot of people quite uneasy about what V8 supercars actually have in mind for uh, for this race, which is grown into a very great motorsport event with the GT3 rules. So um, there's a little bit to, to shake out and obviously be, be announced, but from what we understand, the eight supercars have effectively taken over by, uh, by buying, or at least uh, being a long way down the road to completing the purchase of the promotional rights, which are currently split between James O'Brien's Yeehaw events and the Bathurst Regional Council. And I would say that Bathurst will continue with their 50% promotional share in that, and V8 Supercars will have the other 50%. Um, it, it doesn't look likely, despite a couple of drivers getting excited about the idea that they would actually try to run the test day, uh, the V8 Supercars test day with the 12-hour at least not in the short term, but again, there's other factors there like um, the media rights, which Seven have the contract for the 12 hour at the moment, and they've got some options to keep going if they want to. So, uh, yeah, certainly uh, interesting times at that event. Mm. Andrew, I, I know that you, uh, I'm pretty sure you ran a story talking about the benefits of Bathurst being a test track. Um, well, close. I wrote a story about how terrible it would be as a test track, to be honest, and there's a few reasons for that. And I just want to go back and say, you know, that was a very hypothetical thing, um, and uh, I totally agree with Stephen. It's They're not going to go testing. It just, it's not going to happen. But if they did, the issues are, you know, length of the track, the fact that it's actually, in terms of its corner tops, quite one-dimensional, um, and when you're coming in and out of the pits wanting to test new bits or make changes constantly, having a, you know, a, a, a lap that's over two minutes it just doesn't work doesn't work with that at all it'll be very frustrating for the um, for the for the teams plus somebody inevitably is going to jam it in the wall over the top and make a big mess of their car and if it was the one pre-season test potentially put their whole season on the back foot particularly for a smaller a smaller team so it's just not a thing that's going to happen I reckon the drivers would love it because you know it's Bathurst drive a V8 supercar at Bathurst the fans would love it because a V8 supercar never looks quite as good as it does when it's absolutely flying across the top of Mount Panorama. But realistically, I just can't see it being a viable or suitable solution, particularly given how sort of tight the V8 supercar's testing rules are at the moment. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Stefan, all last year we were told that that was what was offered to Yeehaw events last year as a, as a way of you know getting through the impasse. 
Yeah, I think there was a bit of uh, a bit of spin applied to that in the in the post production. Um, yeah, uh, offering or sh- yeah, should I say bidding for media rights to an event with a pay TV package and being told that no, we'd, we've already got a or are going to go with a free to air seven deal. Mm. Somehow, seemingly turned into uh, oh yeah, we offered them uh, offered them the keys to the promised land or something. I don't know, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, you know what it's like. It's, uh, there's always a bit of bit of extra spin applied when necessary. Yeah, and the one thing that's come out of this is that the auto delete at News Limited has lifted off the words Bathurst Twelve Hour, and uh, I think for any manufacturer that's involved in the Bathurst Twelve Hour, the next two weeks is the time to get your story out. Yeah, I'm sure sure some uh, journos there had to be briefed on what that was after being told to ignore it at all uh, at all costs last uh, this year. So. Uh, that's another amusing little twist to it, I guess. Mm. We need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but uh, we'll talk the Dunlop series. Can you believe that when we return? Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Bought Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkett. You are listening to Inside Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. Still a bit in shock. Uh... <laughs> Thanks, thanks everyone. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion. Got to put money back into the sport at the lower levels to develop the kids and bring them up. You can't rely upon good luck for Daniel Ricciardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. There actually needs to be a structure. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm James Moffat. Hi, I'm Michael Caruso. And, and you're, you're listening, listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Andrew Van Leeuwen and Stephen Bartholomeus. I hope I got that right this time. Excellent pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll blame a day in France as my uh, excuse for the mispronunciation. Dunlop Series, Waters. He wins again, but uh, Dumbrell breaks the winning streak. And it was an interesting weekend for the second tier, Stephen. Yeah, I can't say that I was across every uh, every detail of that. I was a little bit uh, busy with the main series, but um, yeah, Cam obviously he's in he's in the best car and he's he's done enough miles to uh, know that this year he's got to get it done, put himself in the best possible place to get a main series seat um, next year. He, he probably had a little half option there that he could have been in the main series this year, but I think did the wise thing and. Stuck with ProDrive and uh, and uh, trying to get the job done properly in, in DVS. So it was interesting that Chris Pither actually pipped him to pole there on the uh, on the Sunday, um, but uh, Chris hasn't really made a good fist of some starts this year, and that was uh, that was no difference. So uh, yeah, uh, impressive performance from from him overall, and coming second to to PD in the Sunday race kept the points ticking over. Mm. I mentioned a great story of yours, Andrew, last week on the show about Todd Hazelwood and uh, uh, he had a, well he, he was having a good weekend until the start of the second race. Um, I'm going to be 100% honest and say that I didn't actually see the second DVS race like Stephen. I was sort of focused on pumping out content on the main game stuff but um, but I did, I did see that Todd was up there uh, at least in a couple of the races over the weekend which is always good to see because he's, um, he's just such a lovely bloke and he's I just really admire the fact that he doesn't sit around complaining about having no money. He goes out there and tries to scrape together every single dollar that he can to go motor racing, and whether it's sustainable long-term or not, who knows? It doesn't really matter to me. I think it's just such a great attitude to have, and, uh, and you know, I, I like seeing him get results just based purely on that. 
Mm. Now, Andrew, Jones had a health scare, which uh, was the second health scare that, that the Jones family has had in three race meetings. Um, it's not a good time for the family. Well, I guess so, but I mean, he was, uh, he was, I mean, he was there overnight, but he was out of hospital the next day and everything seems to be okay uh, with him and he's, and he's saying that he's going to be back in the car for the next round, so I guess things could be, could be a heck of a lot worse for them as well. Um, obviously, it was a case of being, you know, very cautious. But I think that's a pretty, a pretty smart thing to do when you're talking about something to do with your heart or, or any sort of pain in that chest area. Um, you know, he's got nothing to prove. He was up there to get miles ahead of the Enduros. That's what he does the development series for. And I think it's absolutely no surprise that even if there was the tiniest glimmer of doubt that he was healthy enough to go motor racing, he would sit the weekend out. And that's exactly, exactly what happened. So I think it was. I think it was, you know, that's pretty much it. And, and hopefully he's um, he's back in action uh, at the next round and he's healthy and happy and everything carries on as normal. Mm, once again, scheduling, Stefan, has to be... The question has to be asked, if this is the second tier of motor racing in Australia, why do they make it so difficult for uh, everyone to cover when the cars come off the track and you, you're pretty much into the uh, V8 session? Yeah, but I think, like, overall, if you look at... Um if you look at Townsville, like what an amazing event, really for the spectators. Like I don't think you can you can bag it from that point of view. It can make it a bit harder for the media to run around chasing everything. But um, yeah, to have uh, main series, DVS, GT, Career Cup, and then obviously there's uh, there's a bit of uh, ill feeling towards Formula Four from a lot of the motorsport community. But it was actually good to have an open wheel category back on the back on the main show. So overall. Like it, uh, the support package is pretty impressive, and uh, it certainly it's quite a few uh, few locals turned up to the event. They reported uh, increased attendance, even though I'm sure that was spiked in part by the return of concerts there. But uh, it was uh, quite good to see a lot of people there. One hundred and fifty nine thousand, I think, was in round numbers, Andrew. What I saw as the um, as the crowd, so certainly. Any event that's getting 150 odd thousand over three days. Ah, uh, yeah, absolutely can't argue with those numbers. Um, and yeah, you know, like I, I just think it's a great event. I think it really is, and I think what it does, particularly for people in the southern states, you know, if you see those pictures on TV, the whole the whole point of you know these uh, of these towns taking on events is to get people to, to to go there to boost tourism. That's why they do it. And when you when you see those pictures, you can understand that people down in the southern states where it's cold might go, geez, that'd be a great place to go on holidays next year and watch some V8 supercars racing. So I think that's where that's where the product just works so well in in those sort of regional centres like like Townsville where you have everything. You have the weather, you have, you know, the concert stuff which they brought back, you have a decent track that generally throws up good racing and it just is a really appealing event. Uh, plus, you've got a big local fan base of people who want to go watch the racing as well from both Townsville and the regions around it. So it's just a perfect sort of... It's a, it's a perfect recipe to get a decent crowd, and that's exactly what we saw this year. Mm. We need to take a break. A final thought up next here on Inside Supercars. Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page, and to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it means a lot. You know, through the years, a lot of reference this race is one of our majors. 600 miles around here is no easy task. Uh, we're able to beat the two levels to the boys and, uh, and meet Anthony Bigley in the final, which uh, we were able to do after, um, take the win off him. So it was, uh, yeah, it was a great weekend for the uh, Raptor family. Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm David Reynolds from Bottolo Racing Team, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought or observation, Stefan Bartholomeus. Well, I guess um, the the topic of the, the weekend really is uh, just to go back to the to parody stuff, to be honest. And um, it's something that will get talked about if uh, the pro drive things keep dominating. And really, the, the thought is for me that they've got to take it as a, as a compliment rather than anything else because um, they're doing the job at the moment. They have been very close in the last couple of years, obviously won a few big trophies there at Bathurst with, with a car that they were adamant was um, under aeroed at the back. And um, this year they they got the aero they wanted. Whether the supercars actually got the uh, got the parity right or not, um, they got it through. And um, it's combined with the rest of their rest of their package and their engineering group and it's and the drivers and it's an absolute phenomenal uh, thing at the moment. So. Uh, you got to tip your hat to them and uh, just look forward to seeing if they can keep it up through the year. Mm. Andrew Van Leeuwen. Andrew Van Leeuwen. Um, all right, I'm going to come back to the testing thing we were talking about with Bathurst and stuff and say I think it's time that V8's opened up the testing a little bit. I totally agree with having uh, having testing uh, restrictions in place. I think it's very important, but I think they are way too restrictive at the moment. And what I find sort of ironic in a way is that, you know, the teams can't go and test at Winton Victorian teams can't test at Winton because it'll cost too much money, so instead they have to fly drivers up to Townsville to do three laps in practice, and I just don't think it makes any sense. And I think the idea of one big pre-season test is fine, but it shouldn't be one of two test days for the entire year. I think there needs to be a bit better balance in terms of uh, testing restrictions that wouldn't cost teams any more money but would uh, potentially result in A, drivers getting a lot more miles ahead of the Enduros and... Um, the racing product being even better than it already is. Mm. Well, mine is uh, Friday tyres. We were given a new set of tyres, and this was what was going to show us what the weekend's got to offer. Last Friday, Davison, Mostert and Percat topped the press conference at the end of the weekend. Percat had a good weekend. Mostert was there or thereabouts, and Davison didn't have his best weekend, and perhaps it wasn't very reflective of what we saw on Saturday and Sunday. Andrew? Stefan, always a pleasure to catch up with you. Thanks, guys. Always a pleasure to talk about NBA Supercast. Yep, good fun. Thanks for having me on, Craig. And, um, yeah, thanks for the, uh, the chat, Stefan. That's all we have time for this week on Inside Supercars. Until next time, round and bye for now. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Inside Supercars.